0: Welcome to the Science of Fiction on Cam FM. Today I'm joined by, as always, Will Thompson. Good afternoon. And Helen Scales. Hello. So, Helen, you're an oceanographer, broadcaster, and writer.
1: Yes, all three, at different times. Not, not at the same not time. Not at the same time, sometimes. You're
0: not writing live now.
1: Not right now. I think I'm broadcasting now. so broad- that, that probably works, yeah.
0: So, you're the author of Poseidon's Steed.
1: Indeed, yes, The Story of Seahorses, From Myth to Reality, yeah. It's a book all about how cool seahorses are, basically.
0: Well, thank you for joining us today, and we're going to be going through some of your picks of music and favourite uh, marine biology, really, isn't it?
1: Yep, I can't wait. It's really exciting.
0: So with that, I think we'll head into our first track.
2: Was "Ocean and a Rock" by Lisa Hannigan?
1: I love Lisa. I've seen her live a couple of times. She's fantastic. She is really brilliant.
0: So, the significance of that tune, then?
1: Um, it just has an ocean and a rock in it, <laughs> and I think she's great. No, that's why I chose it. I just, uh, yes. I think she's a lovely singer, and, and I don't know, just anyone who sings about the ocean is fine by me. So,
2: you, you like the ocean?
1: Uh, yeah, I do quite a bit.
2: Get, get some bonus points. It just immediately.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. So that-
0: so we've gone on, on the notes here that you read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea before and after becoming a marine biologist. Yeah, it, it's like it sort of it.
1: an unlikely test. I didn't, yeah, sort of... Um yeah, I didn't know I was experimenting on myself. But yeah, I read it years ago, um, before I came even to study as a sort of zoologist, as an undergraduate. And I liked it, and I enjoyed the the adventure and, you know, the ideas. And and then, a couple of years ago, I reread it, and I did really have a totally different perspective on the story. Um, I don't know if I'm... Am I allowed to give away the, the plot? I, d- I? I
2: think any kind of <laughs> statutory limitations on uh, spoilers for um, Jules Verne is... Long it, since passed.
1: Good. Okay. So, um, well, I mean, basically, I really connected with Professor Aranax the, the marine biologist who gets who kind of gets kidnapped by by Captain Nemo, who's in the in the in this underwater submarine, uh, and. Um, You know, and he's got this... The thing I really connected with him was he's got this conflict between, on the one hand, obviously wanting to escape and not wanting to be this kind of captive, um, with, with this slightly crazy captain who's in control, and on the other hand, being totally just fascinated by the places that he's going and wanting to carry on with the journey and see more of the underwater world. And I could just totally see myself being in exactly the same position if I happened to be kidnapped by a crazy captain on, a, on an undersea. It's an everyday risk. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, if that happened to me, I would be just the same. I'd be like, oh, I do hope I escape. Mm, but on the other hand, escape. I am having quite a fun time, so.
2: You're you, you quite like to escape, but maybe in mean, a month or two, you know.
1: Yeah, not quite yet. So Ned Land, who's the, uh, he's the harpoonist, because the reason they get um, stuck on this uh, on Nemo's ship is because they went out to go and try and catch what they thought was a sea monster, but turned out to be the Nautilus Nemo's, uh, Nemo's submarine. Um, and uh, so so Ned Land is, is the harpoonist who was supposed to kind of get this big this big monster. And he's desperate to escape and he's always plotting and scheming. And, and you can tell Aranax is like, yeah, 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 in a minute. I'm just going to go and look at these fish and go diving again. Because that was awesome. We went diving and no one knows what that is yet. And it was just, oh, I loved it. So, so yeah.
0: I, th- I think this could do with an update in a parody form. He's just trying to wait to get the nature submission to go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: gone to peer review and then on escape
1: Ex- exactly, exactly. now I'll find something else out and it's, it's all brilliant, No, it's great had
2: your, did your perspective change at all based on what you knew about the ocean?
1: I guess it did because by that point I'd done a lot of diving myself, I'd been to a lot more places and so some of the places in the book actually are, are real places that that Van knew about and that had been sort of explored a bit like the Red Sea and some he's made up entirely like there's an Atlantis and stuff um, uh, so yeah I guess like part of it was like yeah I know that and I've seen those things, and then the kind of more fantastical side of it is just still really exciting. But you think, ah, oh, wouldn't it be really cool if you really did have a you know giant cuttlefish fight, for yeah. example?
2: Well, the, so. the, and there is something there is something deeply mysterious about these the, these creatures who we can barely we we can barely sort of study them. Right? They're 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 way too far like down for us to routinely. It's well, that's the hard the thing to find. The sea's quite big.
1: It's huge. And, you know, there's still they say there's still about 20% of the oceans that no one has been to at all, like totally unexplored.
0: But, no. but they, I mean, I saw it was, must have been last week, someone trying to put out the idea of funding uh, sea research the same way as we fund space research, like a NASA equivalent for the oceans, because it's really hard to get funding in comparison. Or seas for these big projects, and you go, but... It's like space but we know there's life there.
1: Exactly, <laughs> we know there's life and we spend I mean I can't remember the exact figure but it was something like if we spent 1 year's budget for NASA on the oceans we would be able to study it for something like 20 years. Like that, that's the amount of it would that's, And of, of you know. course the,
2: the, the great thing about NASA's budget is that it's a fraction of say the military budget of um right. of just one nation. Well,
0: I saw the statistic and it may have been slightly misleading, but the the amount of money it cost to put Curiosity on Mars was equivalent to the amount of money it took to the Avatar cost in terms of ticket takings. So, like, sort of how much the world paid for Avatar?
1: That's insane. So maybe we could fund research in the oceans through movies. Well, do you think we could do that?
2: Wasn't, wasn't this one of the original premises of? Um, well, like pe- people were were talking about Titanic in in the context of. Um, Actually, doing ocean exploration and digging up things from Titanic.
1: I mean, obviously, um, Cameron's d- James, not David, has, has got um, a big interest in in deep sea exploration. He does a lot himself, and uh, you know, he's been down to the Titanic, and obviously, been well, down didn't to he do this, the Mariana's he, yeah, trench. Yeah, um, the trench. Yeah, it's insane. insane and dangerous. It is dangerous, but cool.
0: Didn't Didn't he go? have a project before because recently you did it but there was a time before and basically there was an awful lot of scary creaking as it went down <laughs> and uh, you just didn't tell people <laughs> I
1: think so and didn't that happen in the original one as well when they went down in the bathyscope and uh, didn't didn't a window go or something it fine, and it's yeah. just like well
2: let's not mention this to the people yeah, who, are it, yeah. who aren't down here because but, it's, I guess it's, it's their lives on the line so there lots yeah, yeah,
0: of yeah, things happened in the space programme too where they just didn't own up to it because they thought they'd never let us go up again and they, want, they want, were adventurous and I think space sea, it's, it's all good but a l- little bit more squidgy stuff down in the sea.
1: Yeah, and that was the other thing with the first, when, when they first went down to the bottom of Mariana's Trench, they sat on the bottom and it all went <laughs> poof, and all the mud just, just, and silt came up and they couldn't see anything. So this time when James Cameron went down, they're like, just don't touch the bottom and you'll be fine. <laughs> um, yeah, but they, yeah, we should spend more money on exploring the oceans because we don't know what's there. And the, the discoveries we're finding are just mind-bending. We're finding just... See, I love
0: cool the microbiology thing. down there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because I'm a microbiologist, so it's yeah. like,
0: he's sulphur living beings it's like just completely different biochemistry
1: completely different and you know there's you know the stuff that's going on in deep uh, mid-ocean vents and like you say they're completely cut off from from what we expect normal ecosystems to be no sunlight nothing um yeah and bioluminescence i've been looking at into that a lot lately and there's sort of what's going on with creatures that glow in the deep sea and how they do it and a lot of it is through bacteria and and, and um all sorts of well, stuff well that's, that's how
0: they discover quorum sensing Ah. Um, it's a squid I think Believe takes up a load of bacteria and it that's it, it when it's swimming around it doesn't want people to mistake because it goes up to areas where you can see moonlight so it makes itself glow on the bottom so it looks like moonlight but to do that it takes in bacteria but the bacteria don't switch on until there's enough there and that's the quorum sensing this ability for bacteria to work as a whole which when it of course was discovered people went oh that's insane because bacteria are individuals but they do have this ability to sort of communicate and that's the same thing that co- cholera will do inside you. Is when they get to a certain point, they just whack out the toxin altogether, and that's what. Ki- so it's kind of we've learnt to work together,
2: or perhaps, pre- perhaps presumably not consciously, but but, yeah, but, but but they've they've evolved to the point where they they happen. That the, the, it comes to pass that everything syncs up, and they the, they all just know to do this at the right. Yeah.
0: Time. The, tr- the trouble is, we use the word "know" and right, things like right. that. When you're absolutely right, it's it's a biological thing that's happened across multiple. Individuals. And it, we just don't really have a language for it.
2: But I, th- I think it's interesting you say that. You know, maybe there should be some kind of. Um, well, why is why not try and you know popular popularise ocean exploration? Because um, people do are fascinated by it. There was this there was this news story a few days ago about you know a giant eye washes up. Like, where's it from? Is it from a deep squid? You know, a ter- terrifying squid or something? And apparently, it was from a a, a massive swordfish.
1: Yeah, I thought that I, was I, really awesome. I, it was like a whole handful of eye. But eyes are yes. a lot
2: bigger than you realise, aren't they?
1: That's true. because yeah, a lot is inside true. the animal. That's true. Our oh. eyes are bigger than we would think. We'd probably be quite shocked if you held a human eye. Yeah. Although I, did, oh, oh, I
0: would be very shocked <laughs> if I held a human eye. Where did this come from?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but I was quite disappointed actually. I was. I was. Uh, the Guardian ran a story on this, and when they figured out it was a, a swordfish, and they just said, "Oh, well, it, it kind of it was disappointing that they found out it was a giant swordfish, and it wasn't something kind of unheard of." And I'm like, "No, swordfish are awesome. They are these incredible creatures that live these extraordinary lives. They swim, you know." immensely fast and just we don't even know the half about the kind of biology and stuff that they get up to not at all disappointing very very cool
2: they carry a sword
1: exactly what do they use it for we don't really understand that either so
2: maybe we should find out
3: these invented words when body's dying breath is another's birth what are you running from what are you running from sister jury brother judge and you i recognize this grudge buried deep beneath the sands of these ridiculous demands no time for innocence or sitting on the fence what are you gonna do what are you gonna when the waves old stone plain, the tents and the cars and the trains, and the trains of honeybee cemeteries, of well insulated. Madame, it's all the same to me Look at the girls, look at the gold Gathered, beaten, bought and sold One man's innocence is another's chance What were you thinking of? What were you thinking of? Now please let me boil it down to this My son This party's getting wet But it ain't over yet So what is it gonna be? What is it gonna be? What is it gonna be? Just like the way.
2: So that was Villagers by The Waves no The Waves by Villagers
1: that's right The Waves by Villagers yes another brilliant band who I've seen live and I just yeah, it's just another song about the sea. Why not?
2: Well, it's just why we're here. There
1: are loads of them, but I just like that one, because it's... Yeah,
2: it's and cool. at, w- at one point, he, t- he talks about uh, breaking through the barrier reef. Does that... Does, does, does I it hope
1: he didn't actually break through it, because right. that's not, that's not t- very t- good.
2: T- typically discouraged.
1: <laughs> it, yeah.
2: But I, mean, I, 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 yeah. I guess humanity as a whole is not doing too badly on destroying barrier reefs without their help.
1: Yeah, we're really not. I mean, at the moment, there's been a lot of talk, actually, about how the Great Barrier Reef, in particular, um, which is the biggest uh, barrier reef... Um, is in particularly bad states Um, one of the things that's really threatening it which actually kind of fell out of the sort of discussions in science for quite a while which is these things called crown of thorns starfish Uh, and years ago, well a few years ago it was, they were kind of more headline news about, they, they they. of these coral-eating, poisonous starfish. And they are big. They're proper sort of hubcap-sized things. And wow. they look... They've got nasty-looking smiles. They are poisonous if you if you get stung by one. Uh, it's not nice. Um, and, and they eat coral. So, you know, they do... And they can obliterate a reef. And then they kind of haven't been talked about that much recently. But then there's been some new studies coming out just in the last couple of weeks um, pointing out that they are causing more of a threat to the reef as well as other things like climate change and ocean acidification and um all the other problems well now we even
0: have rogue
2: geoengineering did you see that
1: I did, I oh, did. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, so this, this, this is when um, someone just decided, right, we need to do something about um, some unspecified environmental issues. climate change, I think. Like, uh, like trying to reduce uh, carbon dioxide, Im- um, yeah. well, counteract carbon dioxide emissions by just dumping a ton of iron filings into the sea yeah. to stimulate plankton growth, and they photosynthesize and something.
1: No, that's it. That's the theory behind it. Is well, that because iron is limiting... But
2: um, it was a bad theory, because yeah. there was a lot of... Everyone
0: who would be not so cavalier about it. it will tell you that you basically remove oxygen in the sea by getting too much plankton growth because it they, it, it they still have to use oxygen, they're still an oxygen material they can convert. They can photosynthesize mm. but there's both processes and the stuff lower down that's growing can't get the light because of the stuff above it so the overall thing is it da- net effect is it damages the sea
1: oh, It definitely isn't a good idea and uh, yeah. I think one of the things that hasn't been really clinched which is key to whether this is going to work is if those Uh, like plankton blooms actually draw carbon dioxide down into the deep sea where it would be locked away out of the atmosphere and if that doesn't happen then this whole thing isn't going to work anyway and I think we just haven't got any proof that that does happen um, if you artificially uh, fertilise with with iron filings,
2: I guess we'll find out pretty soon Ca- um, somewhat categorically, whether it does does happen.
1: Well, I see. I don't know. I actually I don't quite know what scale this was on. But was you can huge. see it from was space. It? Yeah,
2: that's, that's quite big.
1: Yeah, that's. that's
2: you, you can see anything from space if you look close enough.
1: It's the problem with the high seas. Not <laughs> People, true. You can get up to all sorts of shenanigans, and no one really knows. Atmospheric
0: aberration. There
1: you go.
2: I see. Yeah, you can't see everything from space. Uh, okay, I, that's that's beyond beyond my ken. Yeah, this is what you get when you get computer scientists in the room. But um, speak, uh, speaking of coral reefs, um, while I'm like, I, I read a really interesting um, op ed in the New York Times of the other day saying that the coral reefs already doomed and there's no point in spending money on trying to preserve it and instead we should be spending money researching what happens next. Do, do you think that's a little bit too <laughs> alarmist or is that an unhappy truth?
1: It's, it is very unhappy. Um, I don't think it's necessarily true that... I mean, yeah, it's an ongoing debate about is it really too late? Um, And i definitely don't think we should be uh giving up at, right. at, at all um we certainly should be being realistic about what's going on and if there is any way of actually you know combating and minimizing the impacts and the problem with reefs is that they are being hit on so many different fronts Coral reefs, are, you know they're getting the big global things like um everything that spins off of co2 emissions um as well as local impacts but and i think there's just quite a lot of there's a lot of data coming forward that if you do something about the small local problems like runoff from land and overfishing then at least the reefs had do have much more of a chance mm. of of a resisting and be recovering from those big global issues that are going to take much longer to figure out um, so i personally um i'm definitely of the school of thought of you know do what we can now like right now and um while we kind of figure out the bigger picture. Right. Um, because I don't... You know, that, that can help, and no, it's it's definitely not too late.
0: What about building new reefs? I mean, I know it take a while, but you can seed them.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm actually going to be spending some time um, writing about artificial reefs, um, because uh, next year I'm going to be writing a, an introduction to a book of... Um, uh, artificial reef meets art this fantastic um artist called jason ticarious taylor and he he's an artist and he basically builds um sculptures and then sinks them uh, cool. and the idea for him is that they are uh they create artificial reefs that corals then grow on and fish and other invertebrates and so on use as habitats and, and it's kind of like it's uh, a lot of them have big sort of statements to make about the relationship between people and nature and he wants to draw he's creating like an underwater. Um, art gallery essentially and trying to draw divers, it's in Mexico trying to draw divers away from the really busy reefs where they kind of bash around and clang and kick bits of coral to these you know, man-made structures um, as more of a spectacle for them to see instead Um, you know, so that's just one way you can build reefs, and that's not going to save save reefs. But I do like what he's doing. I think yeah, I mean, it's, it's really shipwrecks
0: work as well, don't they?
1: They can do. Yeah, I mean, I've dived on wrecks. Um, one in, one I dived a lot in Australia called the Yongala, and it was this um, in about forty meters of water in the middle of just sandy flat bed, nothing oh. there, and it creates this oasis of life, and it's just covered in, you know, it's it's basically yeah, it's a reef now, and it's a huge you know draw for lots of species. So so. I don't know. I mean, it can be done badly, too, as well as cases of artificial reefs that have just gone catastrophically wrong. Like, in in Fort Lauderdale, um, they came up with this idea of sinking uh, um, car tyres... Um, and then that would then create habitat, uh, create a sort of a structure for reefs to then set, uh, corals to settle on. And it's just a disaster. and Nothing settled, because there was some chemicals in the rubber that resisted anything from growing. They all kind of went loose, and they're rolling around all over the place. I was going to the
0: say, lakes. they shift the whole time, and yeah, coral doesn't and, do things quickly. No. So, so you can't even undo it now? because Well, they all, are. You see, oh. they're
1: now spending absolutely masses of money by, of sending, I think, the Navy are now going down and wow. pulling these things back up again.
0: So if you're going to so do it, find a nice ship first.
1: Yeah, don't just dump any old junk in the ocean and say hey it's an artificial reef that's fine I'm helping doesn't work necessarily that way but um
2: okay i mm-hmm. mm-hmm. was cayman islands by kings of convenience which i guess you didn't pick because you want you plan to take all your money there
1: no no i just i love uh, the idea of paddling to the cayman islands it's a long way but why take not? you a while yeah you've got time gotta start, got start somewhere yeah exactly maybe from somewhere closer by then you know from little cayman to big cayman perhaps that would be fine
2: if you go from here though the weather will just generally get better
1: it would i'm tempted really
2: so um, you, you've brought, you've brought into the studio, which I'm going to hold here and wait for the webcam to refresh. This um, book titled uh, "The Rhyme of the Modern Mar- Mariner," which um, I guess we, uh, people who are listening can't really look at it, but
1: <laughs> but you should you should go and look at it in a shop and buy it. I love it. It's um, it's by um, I think he he's an animator um, cartoonist for the Guardian a guy called Nick Hayes, and he's retold the ancient the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Um, by Coleridge uh, and sort of retold it from modern age and it's all about uh, ocean pollution and plastic waste and it's just beautiful I, re- I mean as, it's just a work of art it looks like a kind of woodcut series it's actually he has just drawn them they look like loads of woodcuts um,
0: I mean, it's, it's a lovely it's art delight. style it's a really it's a you know it's that sort of two colour comic book style
2: i mean the, and the, and the art's very it's it's not a very typical um graphic novel style right like normally the you know you've got really busy pages and lots like either lots of text or lots of action. this is mostly kind of you know full page vignettes of you know with a few words caption
1: yeah i mean, i have to say i don't I'm not really a big fan of graphic novels not that i don't like them i just don't really know them um uh, but this one for me i just think yeah you can just pour over each page as a as a piece of art and mm-hmm. i mean i read it in one sitting quite a long sitting because i was just enjoying the images and and the story uh i just think it's lovely and it has a really nice message in it and there is some science in there too he and i saw him talk about this um at a book festival and he talked about how he really cared about it getting some proper science in there and he's got some species names and, and he draws plankton and stuff. It's great. It's really beautiful. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a big, chunky book and it's just a lovely, you know, book as a as a book should be, not just, you know, it's an object. It's I mean,
0: it's, it, you've got a hardbound copy and it's got a lovely spire, lovely, it's got a ribbon, it's got everything to make it a nice
2: gift as well. Exactly. why so for Christmas? Really. I
1: think so. It makes <laughs> a really nice present. And, <laughs> and,
2: and speaking as a modern audience, like the, the chances of me ever m- working my way through the realm of the ancient mariner are... Slim, I think.
1: (laughs) I mean, you're probably right, and that goes as well for the book we're talking about next as well, Moby Dick, because that to, I've never read Moby Dick, uh, you know, and that is a real toughie It's big and it's long, um, but I'm listening to it now. Um, there's a project that um, Philip Hall, the guy who wrote Leviathan, a non-fiction book about uh, about whales uh, and about Moby Dick, a couple of years ago, um, he's got this project called the Moby Dick Big Read, and he's got all sorts of people to read out chapters from it, including Stephen Fry and um, Oh, so one chapter various. each? Yeah, one chapter each. Oh. So you got all these different voices um and i and they're free to download they, they're putting out a chapter a day and it's like i think there's sort of 150 chapters or so wow. it's just huge
0: are they long chapters as well
1: some of them are short like i think at the moment they've ranged from 20 minutes to about five minutes to read out um so i'm downloading them and listening to them while i'm when i go running and i've only got about i think i'm up to about 12 chapter 25 and he hasn't even he's just about to go to see i think
0: um that's a really so odd thing to do i mean it's a bit harsh odd but you no know, i don't consider people listening to moby dick when going running I kind of think I'm thumping <laughs> music.
1: Yeah, I'm quite strange like that. No, I, it... it. It makes me feel like I'm du- I'm multitasking, you know. I'm I'm gaining literary knowledge and I'm getting fit at the same time. But so I mean,
0: it's also about escapism, isn't it? I it mean, is. I don't know why you run, but some people just run for to get away from That's it.
1: It's true, and I do. And I go running along the River Cam, and I like to imagine <laughs> that there are <laughs> monsters. No, I don't. But maybe when I get to that bit in the book, so I'll be, be quite scared.
2: To be honest, the River Cam could just as well be full of monsters.
1: It's true. And in yeah. some places, you,
2: there's no way you could tell. There's
1: no way of knowing. But
2: but it's it, it's true what you say. That people don't, you know, don't generally actually read *Moby Dick*. Well, it's 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 one of these works which is kind of a classic, and yet and referenced all over the place. I mean, there's there have been a ton of you know film adaptations. I saw this um, Japanese film called *Mind Games*, which has a whole section where they live in the stomach of a whale for a while, but. The, the the old man living in there is a uh, drug dealer who's fallen out of favor with the other drug dealers. Um, but while I was trying to f- remember what it was called, it turns out there's another um, anime series based on Moby Dick. It's, it, it seems to have been retold over and over again. I guess.
1: Yeah, it's a real classic, and I, I'm sure. I don't know. I felt like listening to it. At least I would get through it because I will. Hopefully, I will keep. You know, keep on downloading the chapters and listening to it, whereas I just don't know at the moment I'm going to sit down and sort of plod through. No, plod's not the right word, but you know, work through. I think it's a book you have to work on.
0: There are some authors who you just, are hard to read, you know. It doesn't mean it's A badly written it just means it's
1: hard work. Yeah. So, and I'm lazy. There you
2: go. (laughs)
0: You want to be spoon
2: fed, (laughs) or or, or maybe you just like your ocean fiction more punchy, kind of. You know, a lot of the sharks are coming to eat you.
1: Well, maybe. Although, obviously, there's a big problem with the whole Jaws thing, and uh, you know. Was he
2: just an innocent victim?
1: I just you know it, I, people still are scared way too scared of sharks and I do think Jaws began that whole thing you know right. people still say to me I think I got a tweet from someone the other day saying my my son's a diver and he really wants to go diving with sharks you know is he alright is this going to be okay uh, and Those I'm like, dogfish. yes it's fine I mean it, yeah if he came up against a great white then then you might want to be a bit careful, but equally, it's not like it's going to necessarily come and chomp you. I mean, yeah, you're fine, but it, there's only a handful of sharks you really have anything to be scared of at all, and the rest are brilliant and beautiful and amazing creatures to dive well, with. And
0: someone see, told me the other day, a biologist, so if you know, that some sharks have placental children. Have what placenta type. Yeah, you really don't. I thought that was a mammal thing.
1: Well, i'm not placental. Well, I know it's, my, I know it's a different breath. evolution. I mean, they have live births. Yeah, they have. Yeah. They have it. is ovoviparous. I think is the word where the egg hatches inside them and then is nurtured and then it's born.
0: But so they have some yeah. equivalent to a placenta. I don't know if
1: there's a structure. Ooh, I should know that. But they yeah. are nur They are you know nurtured. Inside that's it. kind of cool. It's very cool
0: because that's a co-evolution of evolution, something that mammals have done in a way. I know yeah. it's different, but it, I
1: it's they... the same effect of basically a live young that the, yeah. they're born.
0: Because um, I always thought. Sh- Sharks live with mermaid pouches, which well, presumably other ones do.
1: Yeah, skates and rays and things as well. But they do. So they have lots of different strategies for reproduction. They can also um, they get this, like virgin births have recently been reported as well. There's yeah, female sharks in captivity that um, will uh, can be self fertile.
0: And that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, there's loads of.
0: It's a good thing that doesn't happen in the human race because I'd just be men. And be gone. Oh,
1: wow. uh, I don't know. We still need sex, though, don't we? <laughs> Biologically speaking.
2: Babologically speaking, um, so if, if if you've been um, listening in and I uh, want uh, have uh, your your own favourite book, you're never going to read, is sitting on the shelf, um, awaiting your the, the day when you have a spare month. Why not <laughs> tell us about it? Uh, Star of by Sigurd Ross, which I'm sure I haven't pronounced right.
1: I have no idea how you pronounce it, but I love it. Do you know what movie that comes from? The scene of the movie that it comes from? No. One of my favourite scenes of all time. Um... Well, *The Life Aquatic* by Wes Anderson. Which have you seen? No. Nope. Wes Anderson happens to be one of my favourite uh, directors, and and then he goes and makes a film about basically about Jacques Cousteau. Ha! Huh. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, it's a kind of it's an enormous homage to uh, to Jacques, uh, and it's pretty funny actually. It's sort of one of those if you're a marine biologist, it's hilarious. Because well, uh, it, it's,
2: it, it's about marine biologists making a documentary, right?
1: Yeah, so basically it's about a character called Steve Sisu, um, who is clearly uh, Jacques Cousteau in Some Guys. And um, he, uh, well, it's his best friend gets eaten by this thing called a jaguar shark. And the story is essentially kind of loosely based around trying to find that shark and prove that it exists. And this song um, by Sigur Ross plays out in this most beautiful scene. I really love it. It makes me cry, even though it's not really supposed to be Um, that sad or anything but um, the whole the whole film has kind of built up to this climax of all the cast going down in this uh, bright yellow submarine and it's it's a fantastic cast there's Kate uh, Kate Blanchett there's uh, Michael Gambon and there's uh, all these guys are in this in this um, in the submarine um, Steve Sisu played by Bill Murray who's fantastic and um, um, Owen Wilson plays um, a guy who thinks that he's his dad and all this kind of stuff and they're looking for this shark and then they see it and it's just this the, the track comes in and it's all kind of animated and it's you know, it's not it's all very bright and it's not really real but it's beautiful and they're just sitting there and he was going to this is kind of giving the end away but I don't think it matters he was going to kill the shark that was sort of his, his ambition was to, to seek revenge but when they saw it it was so beautiful that they just left it and it swung off Aww. and it's really nice you have to watch it You've always it just
0: been told off by someone on the email that uh, for not watching it
1: yeah, it, it, you are. I have to. Say, I have. You should. I just feel kind of sad, but also jealous because you now get to watch it. You know, yes. it's for, like for the first
2: time. Yes. For the first time, exactly.
1: Right. So, and now I told you how it ends. But actually, I don't think that matters. It's just the joy. It's it, if you like Wes Anderson and his kind of details and his kind of humour, then you'll love it. Well, it's, it's many it's things great. of a
0: journey. Sorry, the, this journey of the story is more important. Exactly. Than the way it gets yeah,
1: to. To, yeah, and you can look forward to that last scene, which is really lovely. I think, and yeah. the song. And the song, exactly. It just It's a really perfect moment. I love it. I would like to have been in that submarine. It would have been nice.
0: So the other email I got in is, are you going to do anything on sea dragons?
1: A book about sea dragons. I'd love to write a book about sea dragons. Would you read it?
2: Are sea dragons real?
1: Yes, they're real. No, they are. I, I, when I wrote the seahorse book, I was um, quite amazed by the number of times people said, seahorses they're real like wow i really didn't think i really believed that they were just made up and i love that kind of crossover between this sort of fictional mythical character and yet yeah, it's a real weird weird creature that does weird things and sea dragons are just as weird um and maybe more ornate and beautiful but they're they're a close relative of seahorses they only live in australia uh, and i've never seen one in the wild i would love to see one they kind of look a bit like list. a
0: plant don't they
1: like seaweed, yeah,, yeah. Um, algae. algae. Um, yeah, they've got two types a weedy sea dragon and a uh, sp- uh, um, leafy sea dragon. the leafy ones are really, really kind of weedy cedar seed- sort of bits growing off them, and the weedy ones are slightly skinnier, but they're beautiful and they are amazingly camouflaged. And so it
0: is, it's like a stick insect idea that it looks yeah. like just prettier.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I'm just, not
0: taking no sticks.
1: And they just drift. Around. They also have. It's the way they behave, and then because they live in these quite surgy um, temperate waters around southern Australia um, in shallow waters, and they just kind of move with the water, and they just like you would imagine sea gro- uh, seaweed, just sort of beats in the in the breeze, and they will move with it. And it's they're beautiful, beautiful creatures
2: to find one. I can, imagine, yeah. I can imagine trying to film um, a scene of watching it kind of just move around in the waves, kind of like that, that famous scene of someone filming a plastic bag, except probably more beautiful.
1: That's funny. Someone mentioned that plastic bag scene to me the other day um, from, what's the film? American, American Beauty. American Beauty. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing
0: how polarising that scene is. So he gets mm. relentlessly mocked by some people, and then the other people... I watched
1: actually- the clip of it, and I have to say, I just find Kevin Spacey's just so creepy you know he's just so that, that's, that's
2: the role he plays in every film right yeah. in, in 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 moon he plays a kind of creepy computer in he's, yeah. he's, he's in seven right he, yeah. he's in he, he in in k pax he plays a kind of creepy but he tries um, so hard not to be,
0: be stereotyped he tries so hard Does he? that's why his roles are very. i mean
1: they're,
2: they're, they're very diverse roles but they're very diverse kind of creepy roles.
1: yeah so i don't know but yes it's it's cool
2: so sea dragons are a definite maybe
1: I'll do it if someone pays me to do it for (laughs) sure yeah anyone want that book I'll do it
4: (laughs) I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade he'd let us in Knows where we've been In his octopus's garden In the shade I'd ask my friends To come and see An octopus's garden With me I'd like to be Under the sea In an octopus's garden In the shade In our little hideaway beneath the waves Resting our head on the seabed In an octopus's garden near a cave This garden in the shade the waves, oh what joy for every girl and boy, knowing they're happy and they're safe. We would be so happy, you and me, no one there to tell us what to do.
2: So that was Octopus's Garden by the Beatles.
1: Of course, how awesome is that? I mean, wouldn't you also want to be in an octopus's garden? Do they have now? gardens? They don't actually, but other fi- the other um, sea creatures do. There's a type of uh, fish called a damsel. Well, there are types of damsel fish. Uh, they they keep gardens of seaweed and they, they cool. tend it and they farm it and they keep certain. They pick out the ones they don't want, uh, oh, so wow. they keep kind of like a rock covered in the sea the the, the seaweed that they want. And they defend that territory really vigorously, and they will come and bite you or try and bite you, even if you're a massive human scuba diver. Because these fish are only about 20, ten centimeters, fifteen centimeters, but they're really feisty.
2: And probably faster than you.
1: Uh, yeah, over short distances, for yeah. sure. I mean, they, they tend to just kind of like come up to you and you go, "Why? And Leave me alone!" Growl. And you just laugh and go. Yeah, they, they make a drumming sound. They kind of go. <laughs> and you can hear it kind of. Because it's all in the water around you, the vibrations. So, yeah, so there are animals that do have gardens. And maybe the octopus do, we just haven't found them Do
0: yet. they form some type of nest where children don't... When the mums had... I can't remember if they make eggs or not. Uh,
1: Yes. They do do eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, the damselfish particularly, um, the males look after um, eggs, so, uh, the eggs in a sort of nest area, and the females come in and pop the eggs in, he fertilises them, and then they often will look after the, as they're growing. And we think that is one of the steps in this sort of evolutionary pathway to explain why uh, eventually seahorses evolved to have male pregnancy, and that first of all you had... Uh, you must know that, right? You know, <laughs> I,
2: I, 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 it, one of those things which, which, which now you mention it, like, oh, I do remember hearing that. But.
1: So, so they do, and we talked about the sharks having um, live birth and so do yep. seahorses, and you know, they kind of do have a sort of placental structure inside the male's pouch, which also delivers, it, you know, delivers oxygen and nutrients, takes away waste products, you know, it's, and it's a kind of vascularized thing.
0: So, it, so it is closer to pregnancy than it's just been a pouch.
1: Yeah, I think so. Pa- I mean,
0: sometimes it's on more portrayed is just like something where they live for a while
1: right and and, and I guess this sort of pathway thing I t- touched on with the idea of first of all you get a, a, a nest that a male looks after and then you can kind of take it through the steps of well he might start carrying the eggs around with him and often there are lots of fish that stick eggs just stick them onto them like sea dragons they just sort of have their bellies the males just carry the eggs around stuck onto the outside of them Does and it,
2: they hatch. They around collecting eggs or is it? No it?
1: the female comes and just puts them on huh. and then he fertilizes them and carries them and then there are pipe fish which are the relatives of seahorses that are seahorses that are th- long and thin and straight.
0: They forgot to pearly. stand up.
1: They, it's before they stood up, exactly. In the evolutionary, uh, in the fossil record, you can see the pipefish predated the seahorses. Uh, and they have kind of yeah, tubes that the the, that the eggs are in. And then the seahorses are the only ones where it's really closed off into a pouch. And the key is that pouch where the eggs develop is... it's shut off from the sea and you can control the the level of salts and so on inside that so it's a kind of it's a protective environment just like it would be inside uh, a mammal So how
0: many Children do seahorse, sea it have.
1: varies. Some of them have only maybe five or ten at a time, and then some have hundreds, so it depends on the wow. species.
0: But well, that's that would be lots of And they have proper
1: up. like contractions, and they, it looks like really hard work for the males when the time comes. And you see these videos, and they hold their tails onto bits of rock, and they're like, Oh, this hurts. You can see them just kind of okay, here comes some more, and they squeeze, and out come the babies. And yeah, it's looks
0: and, and, quite and Does hard the girl seahorse always say the wrong thing at the wrong moment?
1: <laughs> probably, she's not even there, she, she's, she's gone. She'll come back when it's all finished but she's not there
0: <laughs> you wouldn't get away no. with that would you <laughs> no
1: <laughs> so yeah it's 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 cool and yeah and then the we the, the pipefish evolved into upright seahorses that swim in their heads up so it's, it's all
2: and, pretty uh, awesome and, and they care which way is up for any particular reason, or just because they just...
1: Yeah, do, because um, they live in... They tend to live in places like seagrass meadows, which have this... Uh, and uh, around mangrove roots and in coral reefs where there's lots of three-dimensional structure. And by putting their heads up, they could kind of... They can navigate around that, and they can... Uh, see better basically than <laughs> <laughs> if their heads are down on the bottom they can kind of and again they can kind of hold on with their tails and drift in the in the current and and hide so
0: are they uh, so what you're saying see better do they need to watch out for predators or do they need to look out for food Look out for
1: food. probably is the main thing they do have some predators though they're a bit chewy they're not really tasty <laughs> they
0: um, look quite bony <clears> isn't they
1: well. are they've got these bony plates on the outside which I think makes them not particularly tasty but yeah they have they have this cool um, suction feeding where they um, they feed on like tiny plankton and little animals and they spy them in the water column with their googly eyes that look in different directions and then pick out a piece of food and, and eat it so it's good it's cool being a seahorse they are really fascinating to watch even if it's just in an aquarium um i recommend spending some time
0: where are our watching, nearest seahorses
1: uh wild ones while well,
0: well, singing in an aquarium
1: in an aquarium probably london there's probably some in london aquarium yeah so and you can see them on, uh, around the british coast if you're very lucky they do live here think so.
2: yeah i've got to, learn to dive first or oh, snorkel awesome, good
1: idea
2: I think that's about all we have time for unfortunately Uh, so thank you Helen for coming along thank Um, you
1: for having me it's been great I don't often get the chance to play songs I love it
2: (laughs) great fun